are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group and host of Locked On Warriors here with David Rommel, the host of Locked On Heat. And on today's show, LeBron James goes off for his best game of the season and Bam Adebayo looks like a superstar. But we begin today in Detroit where the Philadelphia 76ers lost to the Pistons 119 to 104. The Sixers were without Joel Embiid due to a back injury, and the Pistons responded with some impressive scoring from Jerry and Grant, Wayne Ellington, and DeLon Wright, who led all players with 28 points. Without Embiid's defensive presence, the Pistons shot 50% on the night, 45% from three-point range. And while the Sixers got 25 points from Tobias Harris, the rest of the starters combined for just 29 as the best team in the East, drops a clunker to the worst team in the East. Now, David, before tonight, the 76ers were rolling with the best record in the conference. Did this game show for certain that this is Joel Embiid's team? Because keep in mind, Ben Ben Simmons was here, but he only had 11 points on four of nine shooting, four assists, four rebounds in 21 minutes. They need more from Ben Simmons, but Joel Embiid has been playing at an MVP level so far this season. I think that's pretty clear, right? And I think that's the a lot of the narrative around Simmons this year is that he's actually – somewhat thriving in his role now that he understands that he is absolutely 2.0 to ben, uh, to to Joel Embiid's 1.0 he, he is the star of this team and then Simmons is kind of a complimentary player albeit a very good one who plays defense at an all NBA level and can attack the basket at a very you know efficient rate but overall I think the understanding is pretty clear now that Simmons is backing up Embiid but on nights when Embiid's are not available it's up to Simmons to stand up. I mean, for Tobias Harris to have the big scoring net that he did, for all the criticism about Harris, he's still been a pretty consistently good player. Simmons just has these nights where he struggles so much, and it's he, he's almost largely unnoticeable. That's not the kind of superstar that you expect to build around. And so that's why it's pretty clear that Embiid, it, this is his team first and foremost, but Simmons should do more to at least play a greater role as a complementary player. Joel Embiid is having an unbelievable year for this team. And if he could stay healthy, I really like Philadelphia in the East. It seems like things are coming together. You always want Joel Embiid to post up, and his post-ups have been awesome this year. But he is shooting uh, career-best numbers from three-point range. His true shooting numbers from outside, and I credit John Schumann for this for pulling out this stat on Monday morning, his true shooting percentage, I think, is at 60% from everything outside of the paint versus, you know, high 50s, 55-plus percent in the paint, which in the paint, that's still amazing, but it's what we are accustomed to seeing from Joel Embiid. But that that perimeter stuff has been unbelievable. I don't know how sustainable it is, but we do know that Joel Embiid has always had good shooting touch. It's just a matter of putting it all together. And defensively, he's the reason why this team going into Monday night's game was had the fifth, uh, fifth best defensive rating in the NBA. He's, he's a, a front runner for the MVP. It is most certainly his team. There is a reason why there is conversations about maybe we trade Ben Simmons for James Harden, right? It's because it is so clearly Embiid's team. I just hope he can stay healthy, man, because if he can, I think the Sixers have as good a chance as anybody uh, to come out of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. I mean, right now the the East looks like it, it's anyone's game, to be honest with you. I mean, they've stood up as far as their record is concerned, and they are playing at a pretty high level. I think this is the best roster that they've had in years, even when they had Jimmy Butler on that team a couple of years ago. But it just seems much more balanced, much more competitive. They've got some depth now that they were lacking in previous seasons. So this does seem like a, a really well-assembled roster, so you have to give credit to Daryl Morey for putting it together so quickly. And for Doc Rivers, doing a pretty good job of coaching them and maximizing their talent. But overall... 
Yeah, I'd say that they're pretty clearly the best team. Well, maybe not clearly the best team. At least one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. But there are other teams that could be nipping at their heels, including Milwaukee, Boston, maybe even Miami if they can figure it out eventually. Well, let's go to Miami where and in that Brooklyn game. The Nets beat the Heat 98-85. to The Heat were down uh, by just one with a little over four minutes left in the game when the Nets responded with a 15-0 run to put that game away. Despite holding the Nets to just 28% from three, the Heat shot even worse, just 25% from beyond the arc. Bam Adebayo led all scores with 26 points as the Nets improved to 11-8. and Miami drops to 6-10 and as they await the return of Jimmy Butler, who they so desperately need. And I know Brooklyn won the game, and they were able to turn it around in the clutch. But I, I can't help but feel that Bam's big game, following a career-high 41 points on Saturday night, by the way, that's the big story. Is this for real? Has Bam become a superstar, in your opinion, David? Well, if you believe Eric Spolster's press game, uh, post-game press conference, then yes, he's been a superstar and has been for some time. But I, I don't know. I, I'm not quite ready to put him in a superstar category, although I think the conversation now is pretty clear that he's at least a top 20 player in the league. So, I mean, I'm not sure if superstar – you know, it doesn't seem like it feels right to use that label for him because he never does or has not historically put up those kind of gaudy numbers. That 41-point outing seems like an aberration, especially when you're missing, you know, high-usage score like Tyler Hero or Jimmy Butler. If that's the case, then, yes, somebody has to take up the scoring load. And so Adebayo did a fantastic job of filling that role. And he follows it up with a great night today. He was aggressive. He's got that outside shot dial. He even knocked in his second three-pointer of the season. He hit one on Saturday as well. Mm-hmm. So it seems like he's a capable scorer, but I don't know that he's going to maintain this. And if that's the case, he's going to be more of just a guy who can do it all. He can play defense at a high level. He makes plays for others. And then he'll occasionally be a complimentary scorer. I'd like to think that he's going to stay consistent as far as being aggressive and looking for a shot. But I doubt that's the case once Hero and Butler return to the lineup. Bam Adebayo is, and Jimmy Butler, they're kind of starting to become that Spider-Man meme where they point at each other, except Bam would be like a Spider-Man who's slightly taller and more and more muscular than maybe a, a, a different, you know, Spider-Man in cowboy boots. But uh, <laughs> he, he, the way he is a superstar and is so much the way that Jimmy Butler is a superstar. It's all those things that you're talking those little things that he does, the, the, those little things that Eric Spolster always talks about, winning plays, impact winning, et cetera. Uh, that's what he does. But then you see that game, these last couple of games against Brooklyn, man, he – has just a knack of finding ways to score that 41 point game against Brooklyn. He had a couple of those weird little jump shot, push shots in the lane that it's just, it's a counter to Brooklyn, you know, sacking back in the in the lane or trying to take away the 15 footer, the 18 footer that he's basically got figured out. Now he's just finding out counters. He's figuring out ways to score. And that's really when you talk about not necessarily the regular season, but the postseason, figure out those little in-between areas on the court, how to, fi- how to score points on the margins. That's what Bam Adebayo is starting to figure out, and he's so good at, and that's, why, and that's what Jimmy Butler is so good at, and that's why they're such a similar type of superstar. So, but you're right. It's not the, the, the superstar that we know. It's not the, you know, the LeBron James, the Giannis, Sadekumpos, the Steph Currys, the, guy, the Damian Lillards, the guys who come out and just have these, like, awesome stats, right? And, and they just right. do it in a way that makes – dunks and three-pointers and all these things that we're accustomed to seeing. Uh, he's doing it in a similar way that Jimmy Butler's doing it. So I don't know. I don't know because we don't see players like that, but we just saw this last year with the Heat. Jimmy Butler is the type of player who could do that and lead you to a championship. I don't – or to at least an NBA Finals. 
uh, series. I don't know if Bam is there yet. You know, the Heat, like we just said, they're 6-10 and 10 right now or whatever they are. Uh, that doesn't seem good enough, but they are still without so many of their good players. So I, I don't know where that goes. Well, I mean, if you look at the performances that, that Bam put in in the Eastern Conference Finals and just ask the Celtics and Celtics fans whether or not he's a superstar, and I think the, the answer is a resounding 100% yes. And, and the fact that he was missing or hurt or limited to a great degree in the finals from whatever little playing time he did get. And so I, I think while he might be similar to Jimmy Butler, if you have both of them, and if you have Bam in particular aggressively looking for his shot in a complimentary way to Jimmy Butler, and then you get the kind of performances you do from Goran Dragic where he can still space the floor and you get Tyler to take the leap, this roster has been missing most of its core for all the season, and, and so that's why they are at 6-10. and 10. And we talked about this last week, that we're not quite ready to panic on this roster, and I still feel the same way even a week later. I think that they have another chance of finding some chemistry, maybe making a late-season push by acquiring another player to shore up their front court. And if that's the case, you've got two players that know how to make plays for others, that can find their shots, that find a way to score in a number of ways, and they've got a great core around them as well that can complement their score and play defense at a high level. Some great veterans, some great young players. They're getting a lot out of their rookie and Precious Achua. We haven't even seen Avery Bradley for more than a couple games, and he represents uh, an upgrade over their biggest weakness last year, which was point of attack defense. So uh, if they get him back and he's able to play at a high level, I still like Miami's chances of, of duplicating last season's success, even though, of course, with Philadelphia and Brooklyn, there's other more talented teams ahead of them. Coming up, the Nuggets are rolling, and LeBron James has his best game of the season. But first, David, tell our listeners about betonline.ag. Well, with the uh, NFL still ramping up and, of course, the NBA still going strong, there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. If you sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code Locked On, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. The NBA is going strong. If you want to make a little money, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. Michael Porter Jr.'s corner three iced a 117 to 113 win for the Nuggets over the Mavericks. Uh, Porter scored 30 points on 10 of 18 shooting in the game. Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, who was ejected midway through the game, combined for 36 points. And the Nuggets are rolling. They have won now four straight games. They have won five of their last six. For the Mavs, Doncic had 35 points and 16 assists. But going back to Denver here, if Michael Porter Jr. is playing like that, David, how much does that impact their chances in the West? I, I mean, I think it improves a Really, And you could say that maybe he had the ball in his hands towards the end of that game because Murray wasn't available. But either way, to get that kind of complimentary score there, I think it just is such a huge boost. You can never get too much scoring, right? And I know he has his limitations as a defender. There clearly are weaknesses to his game. But when he's scoring as efficiently and easily as he does, I mean, that's that's why he was so necessary out there last season as well. That's why a lot of people were so high on Michael Porter's you know talent, despite some of the misgivings about his personality or his defense and off the court issues and everything else. It's when he comes into the game and plays like this and scores so easily, he's such a huge boost that it absolutely improves their chances of being a dominant team once again. Um, he's. 
he's so hit or miss, right? And this is his right. best game of the season, and they need him to emerge as a guy who can be a go-to scorer for them because I thought last year it was a little overstated what he was able to do. Uh, there are nights where, you know, he goes 10 of 18 and scores 30 points, right? There's other nights where he goes one of 18 and, and just seems to be a negative, and he doesn't really provide a whole lot defensively. But you take the size that he has with just the obvious scoring talent that is there, and if you could provide that on a team with Nikola Jokic, who does – He's been so much better at this over the last couple of years. And I don't mean to, to kind of rekindle this, this false narrative, but he, you know, he can at times be passive, but, or at times, you know, his, his best skill is not scoring, but it is passing and setting up other players. It'd be nice if he wasn't always having to set up Jamal Murray. And a lot of these playoffs for the nuggets over the last couple of years has been Nikola Jokic being maybe the best playoff performer we have in this league for two or three years, Jamal Murray, always saving his best for the postseason, And then that's really kind of it for them. And then, and they sort of fizzle out at the end to not fizzle. It would be helpful if they had another big time score, a guy who in Michael Porter jr. Looks a little bit more like the part of a traditional star, right? Jamal Murray does not look like the traditional star. He's six feet tall. He's a three point shooter. He try, he gets to the rim. Well, not a great defender. Nikola Jokic obviously is a very non-traditional type of superstar player. So if you can have maybe a more traditional type player in Michael Porter Jr., a wing, and we know that things so often come down to wings in this league, obviously that's going to be really helpful. Now, can he guard LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard or Paul George in big moments if they you know, were to encounter one of those teams in the postseason? He needs to be able to stay on the floor in those moments, first and foremost. But if he can, and if he could provide efficient, get buckets you know, type of scoring, this, that absolutely is going to help sort of elongate Denver's tail, I suppose, in the playoffs. I think it's going to be huge for them. Um, for our line of the night, let's go to Cle- uh, Cleveland, where the Lakers beat the Cavaliers 115 to 108. LeBron James drops 46 points in his return to Cleveland as the Lakers keep rolling. They are the league's best team. It's a season high for LeBron, and only the second time he's scored more than 30 points this season. Uh, David, LeBron James he hasn't really had to do this this year. And the Lakers, I think, are by far the best team in the NBA. It still feels like they're kind of just – Anthony Davis, not a great game either. It kind of feels like they're just sort of uh, not sleepwalking, but sort of just strolling through the season so far. And they're doing it, uh, posting one of the league's best records and, and the best net rating in the, in the NBA. Well, I think when you look at their offseason and the way they were able to retool their roster, and despite the short turnaround, I think everybody was pretty high on the moves that they had made that somehow they took a really, really good team that was able to win a championship under very difficult conditions, and they improved on that roster considerably. And they still have two of the top five players in the league. And as long as everybody else understands their – we've seen this from other teams in the past. We've seen this from the Warriors during their most recent run. We saw that during the Big Three era heat that this team, as good as they are in season one, once there's a little bit more continuity and even as they start tweaking and making adjustments around the edges, these teams seem to get better with time. And so I think that's what we're seeing now from the Lakers. They're just as good as they were last year. They're absolutely hitting their championship groove as a title contender for this year and beyond. Uh, before we move on to the other scores from the night, we did have two more uh, coronavirus-related postponements. Kings versus Grizzlies, Spurs versus Pelicans. Both of those games were postponed. Um, the Celtics, meanwhile, did play their game. They beat the Bulls 119-103. to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown combined for 50 points, and the Celtics improved to 10-6. and In Indiana, the Pacers beat the Raptors 129-114. to 
Tony East here from Locked On Pacers. The story of this Pacers game, production from the bench, and big performances from two key starters, Malcolm Brogdon, a career high, 36 points. Miles Turner had another 20 over 20-point game. Played amazing defense down the stretch, and DeMontis Sabonis leaves the game with a knee contusion in the in the first quarter. Doesn't matter. Brogdon and Turner were amazing, and Nate Bjorkren went 11 deep with his bench. Got good production from guys like Goga Batadze and Aaron Holiday had a, had a nice little game. Jeremy Lamb had a great game off the bench. TJ McConnell was good. So the Pacers got a lot of good, good production from a lot of guys who don't normally give them as good of production as they got tonight, and they were able to take down a quality Raptors team, get a nice bounce back, went home. I'll have more coverage for you over on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Come check us out. And in Orlando, the Magic came back from a rough first quarter to defeat the Hornets 117 to 108. Hello, everyone. This is Philip Rossman-Reich, the host of Locked On Magic, here with a quick recap of the Orlando Magic's 117 to 108 victory over the Charlotte Hornets. A much needed win, especially after Sunday's uh, blown lead in the fourth quarter and poor fourth quarter against these very same Hornets. The Magic did a lot of things really well from really the second quarter on to the end of the game, moving the ball well, hitting 19 three-pointers, their third straight game with 17 or more three-pointers, the most three-pointers they've hit all season, getting great contributions from Nikola Vucevic with 28 points, as well as Cole Anthony scoring a career-high 21 in the game. The Magic moved the ball exceptionally well. They played good defense, and with an 11-point lead in the fourth quarter, they made their shots and kept the Hornets at bay for a comfortable win. Also of note in this game, history was made as two women officiated a game for the first time together. Best part of it all was... You barely noticed they were out there. That means they did a good job as officials. Uh, yes, toward the end of the game, there were a few reviews that, that did not go the Magic's way, but they made the right calls. And of course, the ref is doing their job when you don't know that they're there. So congrats on the history being made and congrats to the Magic on the big win. We'll have more on this coming up tonight on Locked On Magic. Subscribe wherever you download podcasts today. David, we could, in fact, have an all-star break. We will talk about that next. But first, tell our listeners about Rock Auto. With an ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible to stock all the parts you might need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure pointless or intimidating questioning while the person behind a counter orders parts that you're looking for on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers and their easy-to-use site, and you'll get everything you need with just a few easy clicks delivered directly and safely to your why spend more for the exact same parts at a chain store or even worse at a car dealership rockauto.com's low prices are the same for everybody so go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck then go to the how did you hear about a section and write make sure you write locked on so they know that we sent you it's amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will need that's rockauto.com and if you get tired of ordering auto parts online make sure you get the best tasting protein bar ever that's built bar my family loves it. I love it. It's a great snack. They've got 18 amazing flavors, all of which are covered in 100% chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew. You don't know, even know that you're eating a, a protein bar, but they've got all the nutrients you're looking for. They're great for health-conscious people. If you're looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging a delicious treat, then Built Bars are great for you because they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for all sorts of diets. And best of all, if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use a promo code code locked on you'll get 20 percent off your next order so use the promo code locked on for 20 percent off at builtbar.com it's 
It's hard to believe it's been a year since we tragically lost Kobe Bryant. On the Rejecting the Screen podcast, hosts Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov are honoring Kobe's life and career with a two-part special this week. Here's stories you haven't heard anywhere else about Kobe from teammates, opponents, coaches, and journalists. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen and listen to this week to celebrate the life of one of the NBA's all-time stars. Speaking of Kobe, uh, David, what do you remember about that day when you found out that Kobe and, and uh, Gigi Bryant passed away uh, in that airplane accident in Southern California? Well, I had been attending a, a heat practice and, you know, we were just kind of talking to players, milling about it as, as practices uh, you know, tend to be. And it, the session broke and, and then I was writing up a story later that afternoon. So I went to a nearby coffee shop and, and then I start seeing things come in as I was engaged in my work. I wasn't really paying attention to Twitter or anything like that. And I start hearing even you know, casuals, not even fans, I think, just people who knew about the legacy of Kobe Bryant and they start talking about Kobe's death. And I, I don't know what, what, what it almost seemed impossible to me to consider that that might be something that was really happening. And then you start to hear all sorts of things. Like, first of all, you get confirmation that yes, Kobe had passed away. And then you start to hear about the details of the crash and who was involved and that his daughter was involved and, and that maybe his whole family was involved. And, and it's just, it just starts to spiral out of control. And there was those few hours there after the initial report came out where, where the news was so obfuscated, there was so much going on and you didn't know what was right or wrong and who was involved in this, but it just, it just seemed like this incredible tragedy that you couldn't wrap your mind around. And then of course it's the next couple of days where the details start becoming clearer and the tragedy just seems to get even worse as you think about it. And there's this kind of just dull haze floating over everybody affiliated with the NBA, not just fans and thousands and millions of fans around the planet, but just, you know, reporters like you and I and people around the league players, this was before COVID before everything else. And yeah, there were plenty of problems around the world to focus on, but it just seemed like Kobe, like if it's something had happened to Michael Jordan right after his retirement, it would have seemed unthinkable because Jordan seemed larger than life. And Kobe was probably the player that came closest to, to that kind of similar vibe and aura and everything else. So it just, it seemed like it was just so difficult to even wrap my mind around. Similar experience for me also covering a practice, uh, this one uh, for the Warriors in San Francisco. And so it was uh, before their practice was even over. So I had not had an opportunity to even talk to players or anything. Um, and so, you know, we get the word, I, I remember walking into the media room and, and one of the other reporters there basically just shouted out, oh my God, Kobe died. And, and we kind of start doing all the same things that you, you were talking about, kind of looking right. through Twitter and trying to figure out what exactly was happening. And next thing you know, we get an alert uh, from the Warriors PR department saying, yeah, practice is over. Everybody just left. Ba basically in the middle of practice, the Warriors players and coaches got word of what had happened dropped the ball and just walked out. They describe it as the music, you know, stopping. And they just, everybody just left and went their separate ways, went home. Uh, to me, I remember also the next game that happened in Philadelphia, which was Kobe Bryant's hometown, was against the Warriors. And so I had to get on a plane and go to Philly. And, and I used that opportunity to go out there and go to Lower Marion High School, which was the high school he attended in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And being able to write a story on the memorial that was built outside that, outside of that high school, and just standing there and taking in that scene, and and just seeing everybody, just see people walk up to that memorial that was filled with Kobe Bryant jerseys and and Bryant shoes and and letters to Kobe and his family and all these things and, and just tributes to him. Uh, seeing people walk up to that and just break down in tears, you know, wearing Kobe Bryant jerseys and stuff was just such an emotional experience, and it was one of the 
most emotional and most rewarding stories I think I've written because it was so unique in that reporting experience. But um, that I just I I will never I will never sort of shake that that feeling on just like a thirty degree day. You know, people just you know standing out there and, and just staring at this memorial. And I I stood there for almost two hours. Honestly, I did my all of my reporting took about 20, 30 minutes, and I stood out there for more than another hour, just kind of taking in the scene, but shifting gears, um, the NBA and players association are in discussions about possibly holding an all-star game in Atlanta on March 7th. The game would likely take place in Atlanta where Turner could broadcast it locally. It would feature only the all-star game. None of the frills and large scale events that are typically associated with NBA all-star weekend. And according to ESPN, the Players Association President Chris Paul has been a, pro- a proponent of this idea, which would include uh, showcasing and benefiting historically black colleges and universities and COVID-19 relief funds. David, is a stripped down all-star weekend worth all of the trouble? Absolutely not. I, I am in shock that this is even a consideration and that it's coming from the players. I I don't understand what Chris Paul is thinking. Now, if you want to look at it and say, well, maybe there's altruistic reasoning behind it because it's providing some funding and, and showcasing black colleges and universities and maybe even providing some relief funds. I guess that's the, the only argument that you could possibly take from it. But even then, we're talking about a multi-billion dollar organization in the NBA. They can afford to simply just give the money to, to black colleges and universities or to relief funds rather that's than right. waste everybody's time and take it out there for a, an, ex, an exhibition that, frankly, I don't think anybody gives a damn about. Like last year, because of the, the Elon ending or whatever, I think it was the most exciting all-star break that I can remember in recent history. And even then, a week later, nobody was talking about it. If you're not going to have the slam dunk contest, you're not going to have the three-point shootout, you're not going to have the rookie game, you're not going to have any of the things that are associated with all-star weekend. And believe me, after covering all-star weekends for the last couple of years, you know exactly what they're about. They're just about parties and festivities and everything that's not related whatsoever to the game to focus on risking everybody's health just to play a game that nobody gives a damn about unbelievable i i am in shock that we're talking about it and i i was actually missing the prospect of going to indianapolis and covering the all-star in the hope that maybe covid would suddenly disappear but to to bring everybody here to atlanta just for this purpose seems so ridiculous to me for a league that just prides itself on being so forward thinking this seems like a huge step back it's ridiculous. Uh, you're taking the most boring part, first of all, from an entertainment purpose, uh, yeah. uh, uh, angle. You're taking the most boring part of this whole weekend, and you're making that the, the sole you know, focus of the entire thing. Not fun. Not going to enjoy that. You're not going to get players who want to be there. You're not going to get all – I don't even know if you name LeBron James an all-star, if he'll even bother going. I don't know. I'm not, not to you know, single out one particular player, but if it's not for the business interests, I mean, all-star weekend, like you said, it's basically a business convention. It's not a, it's not a basketball game. It's a business convention. And if you take all the business out of the convention, you take all the conventioning out of the convention, then there's no point to it. If you want to do something during this break, that raises awareness of the coronavirus relief, raises awareness for historically black colleges and universities. If you want to do that, find another way to do that. Don't bother a bunch of all-star players to fly out to Atlanta and all these things. Don't try, don't, this, I understand the attempt to play the NBA season. I understand that from a business perspective. It's why I defend it. The NBA at the end of the day is a business. You have to make money. You have to do what it is that your business does, just like so many businesses during the pandemic are trying to do that. But don't try to normalize it. This to me would be normalizing 
everything that is happening by trying to put on this just rid- ridiculous exhibition game. Don't normalize it. Just let it go. Forget it. Sorry, NBA. You don't get your all-star weekend this time. Figure out something else. Give everybody a break. Figure out how to play the second half of the schedule, which has 22 postponed games and counting. Figure that yeah. out. Don't bother with this stupid all-star game. It's ridiculous. Shouldn't happen. I hope it doesn't happen. And you can't talk me into any version of this being a good idea because, like you said, if you really care about that much about raising money and all these things for these sort of causes, just donate the money. Just donate the money, Chris Paul. Just donate the money, NBA. Don't drag everybody into this and don't risk normalizing something that should otherwise not be normalized. Yeah, it- you're going to still pick all-stars, whether they play the stupid game that winds up being 175 to 172 every year. Like, it's not like anybody's really watching the game. I can't even, I can't even remember who won it last year. I think it was Team LeBron, but I might be wrong. And the year before that, I absolutely don't know who it was. So it's just players are already starting to feel the effects of having to live up to these ever-changing protocols. And I understand why they're ever-changing because the league, you know, they stepped their foot in it. Uh, badly to start off the season as quickly as they did. And they're kind of just adjusting on the fly. But now players are just dealing with the whole process of traveling, going from their hotel in a bus without making human contact whatsoever, going to their arenas, not avoiding contact there, getting back on the bus and going back to their hotel to wait for a couple of days until they can travel out of that city or stay in that city without going anywhere. As a lot of players have said, it's already like, it feels like being in the bubble without any of the benefits of being in the bubble. So it's an even worse condition than what Orlando was. So I don't know why you'd want to recreate this in Atlanta for a game that nobody gives a good goddamn about. Lemon pepper wings? Yeah. <laughs> have them shipped to everybody solomon <laughs> hill already says he's gonna go to a magic city and get some wings but that's great but other than that i can't see anybody really taking advantage of this remember to subscribe to new episodes of locked on nba wherever you listen to your podcast for 30 minutes of the nba's top stories every day david and i will be back next tuesday thanks for listening